Good day, my party people, and welcome to Cigars and Opinions with your host, Sean, and co-host, Leanna. It is good to see you all. In 2024. (laughs) Yes, it's the next season. Um, Please, uh, like... Um, share, subscribe if you can, if that's a a thing you're able to do. Or follow, depending upon where you're listening from. And, uh, leave comments if you can, or add me on, uh, Discord or, or Facebook. Um... Links are all in the description there for Facebook and, uh, um, Discord. And I will see you guys in the, uh, Guard on Patrol segment. Alright, Sean, take it away. Sean and hello my party people so <sighs> what is going on just a whole bunch of nothing over on my end that's for sure Birthdays are between January 7th and January 21st. Happy birthday. I don't want it to go by slowly. <sighs> but, uh, yeah. <sighs> I'm hoping that, uh, 
it keeps going by fast. I won't hold my breath on it. I'll just wait and find out. I've been back in full swing all week around here. But, other than that, there's nothing really special to even talk about. I don't have any, even have anything in mind right now. So I'm going to go ahead and give it over to the main segment. And I will see you over there, my party people. Sean, take it away. Strange experience at a West Virginia rest stop. Oh, this ought to be good. <clears throat> Strange experience at a West Virginia rest stop. Hurricane rest stop 64 West. I drive long distances for work, and in my travels, I have visited many rest areas. And this experience was by far my strangest and most unnerving. It was a little after 8 p.m. dark on Tuesday the on Tuesday the 9th of January 2024. I parked my 26-foot company box truck on the gravel on the gravel easement off the service road that exits the rest stop as the truck parking area appeared to be congested and quite full upon entering the rest stop uh, upon entering the restroom itself which was particularly sketchy and run down even for rest even for rest stop bathroom standards I noticed there was a guy standing at the first urinal on the left and no one else in the restroom nothing odd about him at first just an innate observation for some reason I instinctively walk into the walk into the third stall the handicap stall and begin to do my business a few seconds into a few seconds into re- relieving myself in what i would describe at what i would describe as my eight o'clock peripheral i just distinctively notice something pop pop up over the divider in the middle stall to my left I was instantly alarmed with a natural what the fuck kind of reaction 
However, whatever I noticed in the corner of my eye seemed to happen so fast that it almost seemed like a visual anomaly. Almost a hallucination of sorts, if you will. Mind you, by the time I had been driving nearly eight hours, so I was never ruling out the fact that my eyes were playing tricks on me. However, I have great vision. And even in moments when I may have had a visual floater or a similarly minor anomaly, I have never felt the kind of immediate discomfort and alarm that I felt when this happened. Of course, I instinctively wondered immediately, did someone just peek over at me? But again, it happened so quickly that it almost seemed... That it almost seemed, I don't know, supernatural in nature. I would never assume this... I would never assume this before a logical explanation. But the fact that my mind jumped to this weird theory is kind of surprising in and of itself. Since I'm very practical and always aware of my surroundings. In terms of potential danger or nefarious activity. The glimpse I seemed to catch I would describe as flesh-colored or even the color of light. Although I wouldn't say I noticed it being luminous in nature. It also appeared narrow, almost too narrow to be human to, to be a human head. But again, it happened so freakishly quick that it's hard to say for sure. I believe these factors may be why I felt so weird about it. Almost like it wasn't a human interaction. I checked briefly under the stall from the handicap stall from the handicap stall side. No feet. When I exited the stall, I peeked through the crack between the door and the divider and didn't see didn't seem to see anyone in the middle stall. First kicker. The stall had a handwritten first kicker the stall had a handwritten out of order sign on loose leaf paper taped to the door I went to the sink to wash my hands where I began to loosely observe the guy standing at the urinal mind you he was already there when I walked in and was still standing there after washing my hands, I noticed that 
this guy never looked never looked to the right or left never stretched shrugged fumbled and uh, fumbled with his belt nothing he simply stood looking straight ahead he remained this way until I had fully exited the, the bathroom. Second kicker, I couldn't help but notice in the... I couldn't help but notice in the quiet setting that there were no typical urination sounds. It seemed like he wasn't even peeing. Just standing there. This was the moment when I became fully weirded out. Were it not for this, I may have simply written off the eyes playing tricks on me theory. Note that there's no way this guy could have made it from the urinal to the stall next to me unnoticed. In a short time without me at least hearing his footsteps or the stall door opening, he was at the urinal the whole time. Weird side note, there was graffiti in the handicapped stall that read P-E-K-R. Sounds like sounds an awful lot awful lot like peeker doesn't it or pecker mm-hmm. i left without further incident my theories include two guys scouting for a potential robbery target or a target for something much more nefarious. Some kind of weird voyeur thing. In my opinion, the most plausible theory given the speed of the incident. Could it have been a phone camera with could it have been a phone camera with low flash popping up over the divider? This may explain the narrow profile of what I saw with the light color. Yeah, that could have very well been it. Sounds more like a phone. What do you th- what do you guys think? Was I was I in real danger? Was it some kind of creeper? Was it some kind of creeper voyeur thing? Has anyone ever experienced something similar? I can't help but question what really happened that night. It inspired a very particular weirded out feeling in me that that I can't say I've ever had before 
<clears throat> Sorry for the long-winded story. I wanted to give as much detail as possible in hopes of getting some productive feedback. Thanks for reading. Uh, yeah, it's kind of seemed like somebody was putting their phone over the thing taking pictures. Yep. Or, or maybe they had it as a video and put it over the top there to look at you. Could have been that too. And then once you said, what the fuck? It would have backed it out. They would have pulled it away and, and ended recording. Mm-hmm. I agree. Still would be kind of weird. No noise being made. I don't know. At the end of the day, it kind of seems what it's... That, that kind of sounds like what it seems. Yep. To be. I've been trapped riding Space Mountain for hours and I want to die. The background screens have always been other trapped people. These fucking lap bars are inescapable as prescribed by an army of Disney attorneys. No one's left in line and 9-11 won't connect. Reddit must be functioning through some kind of overlooked loophole and I've been able to type for 19 different 13 second bursts between the ride finishing and starting again. I'm sorry if this sounds addled. My brain is fried and every churro I consume turned to spiral vomit long ago. Most of the people in my car have been unconscious for a while. It started with that fucking genie pass that you buy through the Disneyland app. None of the subsequent insanity would have been resulted if would have been I'm sorry, would have resulted if it weren't for my acceptance of that initiating action. So I flashed my phone at the entrance to the lightning lane and it glowed purple. Damn Disney Carney shot a smile and told me that I qualified for the Club 33 treatment. Whatever the hell that means. And took me through the back channel to get directly on, onto the car. It was just before closing and I wasn't even sure we'd get on but it must have been the final ride of the day. Don't follow Carneys into hidden rooms. Why did I have to learn that lesson the hard way? First trip was great. Who doesn't love Space Mountain? We spun and flew around in the dark. My heart was racing when we finished. The same Disney Carney was grinning at me when he pulled up to the stop. You're it's your lucky day, he squeaked, and around we went again. I couldn't believe my luck when he sent us to a third time, though I was ready to be done after that. But the mouse overlord wasn't. The kid in front of me was crying that by that point. He was the first puke. Everyone followed suit eventually. One family had clearly gotten clam chowder at the Royal Street Veranda. An entire fucking family. The smell is unspeakable. I looked out by sitting next to an old man. He zonked out within the first ten rides. I think he's dead. I sure wish I were dead. Anything would be better than this horrifying hellscape. I have no idea if anyone will be able to read this or whether I can trust the clock and calendar on my phone. It could be day or night because it's always dark in Space Mountain. Thankfully, I'm getting lightheaded. Endless hours of getting spun around on this horrible roller coaster have left me dizzy. I don't know what they'll do with my unconscious body, but I'm sure to be glad ghastly. I'm pretty sure that one of the kids finally fell out of the ride in the last go-around. I heard something flying to the air followed by a woman screaming about her son. 
They shut down. It's a small world. Maybe they're installing it with new victims to power the animatronics because all the old ones died. I'm pretty sure Rise of the Resistance chooses so often, closes so often that they can force feed everyone who must be trapped in those stationary stormtrooper displays. At any rate, the employees were forcing an unconscious kid into what looked like a Star Wars prop uniform last time we passed through the station, and the woman screamed louder. The only thing I can say for certain is that I'm in hell. Okay, the ride's starting up again. I don't think I'll be able to type coherently much longer. If I don't update, something unspeakably awful has happened to me. Holy shit. Dude. That's insane. That that was a good story, though. Yeah, it was a great story. The fuck? I don't want to ride Space Mountain. I am... Kind of curious because it linked something, so I'm gonna click on the link. It went to a Facebook page that is continue. Okay, it went to his. Facebook. Okay. Huh. Is he trying to advertise himself? I guess so. <clears throat> and the other one was BD. It says BD. it was to the author's uh it looks like anyway any hoodle that was god damn it that was a good story um makes you not want to ride space mountain ever again ever i never went i've never been to disney and i don't plan on going I don't like Disney. But, uh, yeah. I have nothing to do with Disney. And this just, uh, solidifies why I shouldn't have anything to do with them. Dude, really? It's obviously not a real story, but still. Very, uh, very good, very graphic. Mm Mm-hmm. My grandmother always told me she was friends with a fairy when she was a child. When my grandmother Gertrude departed from this world, leaving behind only a forgotten house in the isolated village of Eichenwald, I became her reluctant heir. Distant relatives refused to take on the responsibility 
and with a heavy heart, I decided to move into the house that held that held the hazy memories of a life obscured by Alzheimer's. My name is Anna, <clears throat> the eldest granddaughter of my grandmother. My entire family has been living in Germany for several generations. My parents, my siblings, and I reside in Monique, a village in the outskirts of Eichenwald. The village is not is not far away, so the journey is relatively short. I made the decision to move as I was stepping into adulthood and yearned for more autonomy and privacy. After the after the mourning period, I began packing my bags loading them onto my small scooter. Goodbye, my daughter. Take care. My father said, giving me a kiss on the forehead. Let us know when you arrive. I hoped... I hopped on the motorcycle and rode through Fort and rode through Forested. Rode through <clears throat> rode through Forested Roads for about 40 minutes until I reached the landscape that briefly housed my childhood. It was a modest wooden house secluded amidst the shadows of ancient trees mighty oaks and resounding pine trees <clears throat> I entered or as I entered the dusty furniture and faded walls screamed of abandonment the smell of mildew and dampness filled my nostrils as I opened the windows to let the air in I began <clears throat> I began a thorough cleaning which lasted the entire afternoon exhausted by the end of the day I decided to go up to the attic not to clean as I lacked the strength but to check on things the attic seemed in some ways untouched small doll houses and porcelain dolls a miniature toy toy kitchen set <clears throat> and even a giant teddy bear however what truly caught my eye was a beautiful dressing table wooden pink stained wooden, pink-stained, with a slightly dusty mirror. I approached, as I approached, I noticed a small, 
leather-bound agenda tied with a ribbon. I picked it up carefully, opened it, and saw the title. I... I can't read that. It was her diary. I decided to take it I decided to take it to read a little to learn more about how this kind lady saw the world after a hot shower planning my routine for the next day the diary rested on my bed I dressed and picked up uh, dressed and picked it up to read before bedtime. A fact I must mention is that my grandmother hadn't lived in this house hadn't lived in this house for years. She moved to Monique when she was around 15 and about 22 years ago Coincidentally, coincidentally my age, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. She never had the chance to return, living with us and other relatives until her last days. As I opened the pages... Her memories flooded back. Since I was a child, Gertrude told me captivating stories about her home, her adventures, whether stealing apples, whether stealing apples from the neighbor's orchard by leaping over the frozen river herding cattle through the fields or about her childhood friend a fairy a fairy named Silby regarding regarding the latter she claimed Silby appeared when she was five and had been her constant companion since I, like any skeptical child, believed Silby was just a product of her foggy imagination. A, a cherished imaginary friend that her damaged mind confused with reality. However, as I flipped through the diary, I discovered some rather eerie things about this supposed Silby. In the first mention of her, a strange account was written. Supposedly, Silby appeared to her asking for help. Gertrude mentioned that there were evil creatures in the neighbor's barn, and Silby told her she needed to spread a magical powder to ward off to, to ward them off and protect them 
protect the animals. My grandmother obeyed and placed the magic powder in the neighbor's barn. The date matched an event we knew about, an unfortunate incident where the neighbor's barn, along with animals and the neighbor himself, caught fire. According to the diary, this happened a day after my grandmother applied the magic powder. I decided to transcribe a few other strange entries here. July 23rd, 1938. Dear Diary, Sylvie visited me again. Her golden hair shining with a beautiful glow. This time, she said she said the village's crops were failing due to the hunger of the guardian creatures. She claimed she claimed I could help by performing a simple ritual in the field. I followed her instructions carefully. Drawing symbols she asked for and reciting some peculiar words seems to improve seemed to improve instantly the crops began to grow rapidly and my father seemed very happy but as night fell what emerged from the ground wasn't delicious food but twisted and dark roots silby appeared in my room that night crying and saying I had done something wrong, hadn't drawn the right symbols or said or said a dangerous word. We would starve this winter. Okay. December 5th, 1942. Dear Diary, Sylvia appeared urgently, her eyes reflecting a sadness that cut my heart. She claimed the forest spirits were weakening due to the advancement of the plantations. She said the animals were being hunted and the trees were being displaced. To help the spirits, they would need something with great spiritual energy. She took out a metal box from one of the bushes. It, it, it gleamed like crystal. Take it. I need you to put something of great value to it. Of great value to you. Something that brings you joy day and night something that represents the most important uh, something that represents the most important to you this will give the spirits the strength 
and everyone will be fine. I chose a necklace that had belonged to my mother. It was one of the few memories I had of her. I put it in a I put it in the box and handed it to Sip to Silby. Nothing happened. The spirits continued to die. She said it was she said it wasn't a strong enough object and it was my fault. I spent the whole night crying. I continued flipping through the pages as the stories became stranger. Sylvie Sylvie supposed Sylvie's supposed help requests and their disastrous results. Some tragedies and things I wouldn't dare recount here. However, one entry in particular caught my attention. The last entry of the diary when my grandmother was 15. October 31st, 1945. Dear Diary, Harold, the farmer's son, whom I've been seeing, proposed to me. Dad agreed, and we're happy. I plan plan to move with him to the big city as soon as I can. Not just because of our wedding, but because of recent events. Sylvie is no longer the kind friend I I knew in my childhood. She appeared before me tonight with empty eyes, her smile devoid of any trace of sweetness. Her once radiant and glowing skin now had a dead grayish tone and peeled in some places. She came to me, she came and told me I was foolish. The rituals we performed in the past, the objects I gave her, and even my blood were used by her in a macro in a in a macabre pact now we are bound to each other until death no i can't bear it this is too much for me today later she offered a terrible choice a sinister bargain sylvie and i sylvie said i could free myself from her but I would have to offer someone in my place. A child of innocent a child as innocent as a child as innocent as I once was. I couldn't resist. Her oppression weighed weighed me down 
and left me unable to take any action. I had to accept. I don't... I don't want to subject someone to this. I whispered in... I whispered in tears. I don't even know... I don't even know any children. Oh, don't be like that. Let's schedule a... Let's schedule a... Let's schedule a payment, shall we? She laughed. How about offering one of your future children? My heart began to pound. I couldn't. No, I can't. I started crying. She approached me, her cold hands touching my back and in a kind of macabre comfort. And what about a child you don't know? A grandchild? What? But I don't. Well, it's the best choice. You wouldn't want you wouldn't want me to choose to choose for you, would you? You wouldn't want me to to freely choose one of your little ones. I I accept. She sealed the contract with me. I cannot break it. She will accompany me in my dreams. In my visions. While waiting for while waiting for my seed. Forgive me, unknown child. Forgive me. I won't be able to warn you. She sealed my silence in, in this contract. And I don't know what might happen if I try to stop her. Forgive me. Forgive me. I was stunned. I was stunned. The rest of the pages were covered in forgive me. And I don't. And I didn't want this. Scribbles. I hear footsteps, whispering voices, and shadows at the windows. I just want to get out of here, but I can't. Something locked the doors and windows, and believe me, there's no breaking... There's no breaking them. I tried. A song sung by a raspy and scratchy throat echoes every night from the basement. But I dare not go up there. The basement's down, not up. I hope at least my internet connection still works and this reaches... this reaches someone if anyone lives near her I'm not even gonna try and read that please help me 
Silby wants to play, and I need someone in my place. Hmm. Well, damn. Damn, dude. Yeah. First person in the comments. Time to make a very appealing Airbnb rental to hook some suckers in. It's a good story. Yeah, it was a good story. Definitely wasn't a bad one. Not at all. Um, I like it. Yeah. Just a couple things that I would say, and I kind of already said them. The basement is not in the attic. The basement is not top of the house it's at the bottom of the house anyway um yeah that was a good one there's not really a whole lot I can say on that except uh don't trust fairies oh yeah <laughs> never trust a fairy matter of fact never mess with fairies Period. You had anything to add to that? Nope. Good. Alright. Thank you all for joining us this evening. Let me tell you, I had to scrap the first story, or the original first story that, that, uh, we started with. I read, like, 45 minutes into the story, and was, like, or 41 minutes into the story, and I, I had to stop, because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't well-written enough for me to actually use. Mm. Um, that's probably why my voice sounds a little hoarse it, right now. It's pretty bad. Um, I read, like, most of the way through that story and just had to stop because it was like, oh, I can't do this. I wouldn't have minded it if it had taken the whole hour as long as it was a decent story. Just couldn't do it but all the stories are uh, linked in the description so that you can read if you wish uh say something hey mm. say something hello peoples so yeah um one of the stories we did I'm not going to Disneyland. 
Yep, not riding Space Mountain. I don't blame you. No, thank you. Um, anyway, so it was. It was. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you joined us. And uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, <laughs> make sure you uh, follow the podcast so you can join us next week on another episode of Cigars and Opinions with your host, Sean, and co host, Leanna. <laughs> Have a good week, my party people. Later, taters.